0: Turn with me to John chapter 11, verse 47. John chapter 11, verse 47, and then we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. All right? Uh, I'm going to title this message Empty Prayers, or if you want to think of it another way, Empty Prayers. Okay? Empty Prayers and Empty Prayers. Are we right with God? Do our prayers reach heaven? And are we praying correctly? Are we praying right? Are we praying with the right motives and the right heart? And are we right with God? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. How do you know that you're reaching heaven with your prayers? How do you know that God hears you? Do you see results in your prayers? Do you ever get to those moments where you feel like, I don't know if God's hearing me? And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I go to God in prayer, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm getting through or not. And sometimes you feel like there's a wall. And even for the most devout Christian, I know sometimes that is the case, that sometimes we just feel like, I don't get, I'm just, am I just talking to myself? And we wonder that. And tonight we're going look to look at empty prayers, And in John chapter 11, verse 47, it says, Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council, and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs, and if we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it's expedient for you that one man die for the people, and that the whole nation not perish. Now, I didn't say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied... So he didn't know he was prophesying that Jesus was going to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him Isn't that insane. Here is the leading religious people of the nation of Israel, the people of God. They are planning to murder someone. Now, we often look and we wonder, like, you see these big-time pastors fall, right? And you're like, how in the world can you be preaching on Sunday and doing that on Monday? I mean, it doesn't, how does that even work? Uh, and I, I think about this week. Because this, is, is approaching, this was written as uh, Jesus was about to enter into Jerusalem, and they were seeking to arrest Jesus. And here they would see him enter in Jerusalem. He would go through the Holy Week. They would arrest him. And on the night of... Passover, that Good Friday night, it is just this most ironic, sad thing that in the temple there would be a priest slashing the throat of a lamb and lifting up prayers to God as if God would hear them and pardon their sin. And down the road on a hill called Calvary, Golgotha, there the real Lamb of God would be killed by the same people. How in the world is that possible? Can you imagine the prayer of the high priest who has just sent Jesus to death? What in the world was his prayer as he tried to pray? Lord, pardon, pardon these people by this lamb that I'm slain. Pardon me as I go into the holy of holies and sprinkle blood upon the altar. I think God would be thinking, how dare you? Right? I mean, just it's, it's almost inconceivable that in one minute they're sacrificing Jesus Christ, and in the next they're asking, Father, Lord, give us, enter, get, enter into our courts, God, and, and come and fill us again, and, and Lord, cover our sin. Who are they praying to? Jesus said the Pharisees in his day were blind Hypocrites. He said they were externally religious. They were like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, things looked well, but on the inside, they were dead. They were unclean. They were evil. They were wicked. They had all the outer things right, but inwardly, they were ravaging wolves. And I think about Christianity today. Can we not so easily be the same way? They did not even know they were that way. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? Like, God, can I go through this Christian life and just be going through routine and going through rote? Is there times, Lord, where I'm not praying like I ought to? Lord, that I, I'm thinking I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but yet, God, that there's something else over here, Lord, you're having for me? And so, unanswered prayers. Sometimes prayers are not answered because we refuse to hear the truth of God's Word. Sometimes prayers are not answered because we have hard hearts. Maybe we are lacking grace and charity in our life. Maybe there's secret sin. Maybe that it's we're prideful. Maybe we're basing all of our relationship with God on religion. And some, sometimes the Bible says maybe it's because you're praying out of worry or praying out of anxiety and you're not praying in faith. That's one reason for unanswered prayers. But the number one reason of unanswered prayers in Scripture is unbelief. Unbelief. So I want to talk to you tonight about prayers that reach heaven. How do we ensure that we are in the right place with God, that we're not like these Pharisees that can be going to church, that can be memorizing the Bible, that can be fasting? Think about it. They fasted. They prayed three times a day. They knew the Scripture better than anyone in the world, in the world. And yet they missed God, and they had empty prayers. How many people want full prayers? Amen. Amen. I don't want empty prayers. Let's talk about prayer. Look at Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to read this a little bit. And I want to break this down and give you seven principles on on answered prayers. Prayers that are not empty, prayers that are full. And Jesus on prayer. Jesus, obviously, he prayed a ton. So the disciples asked him, say, Lord, help us to pray. Teach us to pray. We want to pray like you pray. There's something they saw in him that even against the Pharisees who prayed publicly and loudly. And they had these uh eloquent, eloquent prayers like, oh, Lord, thou wast thou in, how how art thou great? You know, they just, they were those, I mean, you pe- people like that, you, and after they pray, you're like, I don't want to pray after that person. My prayer's going to sound horrible. You know what I'm talking about? All right. So uh, that's that's what they saw. And then they see Jesus over here going up at the on the mountains at 3 a.m. in the morning, sneaking off to pray, getting alone to pray. And they're like, God, what are you? What are you doing up there on the mountain by yourself? You know, uh, is life that stressful? I mean, they're going and he, they would see him weeping and groaning and, and they would say, God, what are you, Jesus, what are you doing? Teach us to pray like you pray. And so here's what he says in Matthew 6. Here's the don'ts, the don'ts on how to pray. Don't pray this way. When you pray, don't be like a hypocrite. They love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corner so that they may be seen by men. And I say to you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room Your closet, close your door, and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And then when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard by their many words. And don't be like them either, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, Hey, don't be like the religious elite who are praying publicly and they're getting all the reward they can get out of that because their reward really is just man's applause and the people think they're awesome. And don't be like the pagans who use chants and repetitions and religious uh, things to think that their God is going to hear them. And they, they puff themselves up in front of their idolatry and say, uh, how great we are, what we've done for you. And they begin to chant before him. So in a sense, he's saying, don't be full of yourself. Don't be full of yourself and, because their prayers are empty prayers. Now here's a look at the do's. Matthew 6, 9. Here's the do's, so the don'ts, don't be prideful, don't be religious when you pray. Here's the do's, Matthew 6, 9. Pray then this way, we know this, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then some translations would say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen means what? Let it be. We've learned that. Let it be. And to them, that would have been the most weird, simple prayer to pray. They're like, wait, that's short. That's sweet. That's to the point. And then, But we're going to break that out. And you've probably heard people break out the Lord's Prayer. And oftentimes, that's how I pray. Uh, I will pray my, my, the way I get up every day. And, and when I go to the Lord in prayer, when we have staff prayer ev- every day uh, in our sanctuary, I'll begin to pray in the model of the Lord's Prayer. And some of that will come out tonight. But I really want to give you just principles, not just from the Lord's Prayer, But seven principles on answered prayer, seven principles on full, not empty prayers, because an answered prayer comes from being emptied of self. While there is empty prayers, which are the religious elite, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, The Gentiles, the pagans, they're empty prayers that people all around the world today are praying to Muhammad, they're praying to Gandhi, they're praying to Buddha, uh, and all these places burning incense, incense beating themselves in their back. It is empty prayers. People coming into church thinking their good attendance and their good tithing and their good uh, behavior gets them farther with God. It's all empty prayers. But Jesus is saying, but when you become empty, I'm looking not for empty prayers. I'm looking for empty prayers. I'm looking for people who are empty. Amen? Amen. All right. right. Let's Number one, I'm going to give you seven things if you've got a note. <clears throat> write this down. Number one, pray in humility. Pray in humility. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a privilege. We start from the position of grace. Billy Graham once said, Prayer is possible because Jesus Christ removed the barrier between us and God. And he goes on to say, your sin separated us from God. We have no right to come before him, but because of his death on the cross, Christ has paid the penalty for your sin. He's removed the barrier. And God gives you this privilege of coming into his presence uh, when we come to Jesus Christ. So prayer is this privilege. So I come automatically saying, God, I don't even deserve to talk to you. I'm coming humbly. And we think about when Jesus talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector. On one side, the Pharisee. He gives illustration, he says, hey, the Pharisees over here, he's praying, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like the adulterers and the swindlers and, and all these uh, murderers and the thieves and like that tax collector over there. I God, I'm thanking you that I'm not like that person down across the row. I hope you guys aren't praying that way. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that guy over there in that pew. That would be way out there, right? But instead, on the other side, the, the, the tax collector is saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you. For saving a sinner such as me. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me. Thank you, Lord. And so that's where he's saying, be merciful to me, O God. I am a sinner. And so prayer comes from this place and the position of grace. It begins there. Number two on that is, prayer is a right of God's children. So this is all in praying humility. Our prayer is a privilege and prayer is a right of God's children. He says, our Father... When I think about that God has allowed me to be his child, that that humbles me, that keeps me in that position of grace. So I think, Lord, one, I don't deserve to be saved, but yet you've saved me anyway. And two, not only did you save me, you made me your child. So when I can say our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, that puts me down where I belong and that puts a position in my life to say, oh, my gosh. While I know I'm honored to be a child of God, and that's a great reward, that's a privilege, I am so honored, so honored, Lord, that you would even consider me to be your child and that I could even talk to you. That keeps me humble, all right? So number one, pray in humility. We should come as humble, faith-filled children. And John, 1 John 5 tells us this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What an amazing promise that should keep us humble. So it also should keep us watching what we pray. So number one, praying humility. Number two is this. If you want to have full prayers, answered prayers. Number two, pray in the spirit. D.L. Moody, uh, great American evangelist, he said, Sometimes when your child talks, your friend cannot understand what he says. This also applies if you go down south of I-20 in Louisiana. Uh, Sometimes when somebody talks in Louisiana, you may not understand what they say. You might need an interpreter. That's kind of what that 1 Corinthians position is talking about. Sometimes you need an interpreter if you go down south. But sometimes when your child talks, your friend can understand what he says, so the mother understands very well, right? Kit moms, dads, you understand what your kid is kind of learning how to speak, you get it. A lot of times somebody looks at you and says, what they say? You interpret for them. That's the same way God is. He don't care how you pray, just that you do pray. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, in Romans 8, 26, that he prays in our weakness. He helps and prays with groanings that only God understands in the Spirit of God who dwells in you. He knows the mind, searches the mind of God, searches your heart. And then he prays back up and says, hey, I'm helping them pray. And we say, God, just pray through me. I don't know what to pray. There's so many times I come into uh, my, my prayer time. Uh, at church, and I'm just like, I don't even know what to pray. So if you b- believe in speaking in tongues, some of you may speak in tongues and pray, and that's great. And other times, you just begin to let the Holy Spirit guide your talk and say, God, I don't even know what to pray for. Who am I supposed to pray for today? And then somebody will pop in your mind or some situation. I was uh, driving down the road the other day to Pineville. You know, it's about an hour drive, and uh, I was telling Chris this uh, the other day, that as if I was just, I was driving and I literally, just something came over me just to start pretending that God was in the passenger seat, literally. And I just started talking to him, like, as a person next to the seat to me. It wasn't like, our God, hallowed be thy name. You're up there in the clouds somewhere. I hope you see me driving 65 miles an hour. You know, like, whatever. You know, like, you know, we kind of have those distant prayers. But, you know, I just started talking to him, hey, man, you really got to help me with this. You know, I just started talking to him like a dude, okay? And, man, as I began to talk to him, I started getting answers. No joke. I started beginning to say, man, I know I need to do this, and I, you know, I wish you'd help me do this this way. And, he, and then he would say, you know, I'm trying to tell you this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, and it just, it just kind of felt like I felt like he was talking back to me. And I believe the Spirit helps us in this. Jude 20 says, build yourselves up on your holy faith. What? Praying in the Holy Spirit. That is the opposite of praying with your mind, And that is the opposite of praying with your flesh, your own desires, your own wills, your own feelings. I don't always feel good. I don't always feel Christian. I don't always feel joyful. I don't always feel happy. I don't always feel peaceful. I don't always feel comfort. That's my flesh. But the Holy Spirit is always joyful. He's always comforting. He's always peaceful. And so when I say, God, Heath Harris is in a bad mood today. You're going to have to pray. I'm going to have to have God do something in me, and I'm going to just pray until Heath Harris gets out of the way. And now let the Holy Spirit just start doing what he needs to do. And you know how many times I feel better when you just get out of the way and let God start talking through you? And just, man, you're, God is the best psychologist. Go sit on his couch for a while. Get out what you've got to get out. And finally, when you get out everything that your mind has got to blabber out of there, then the Holy Spirit just comes in in peace. And you're like, okay, that's really what I needed. Thanks, you know, and I'm praying for myself like I need to be praying for myself. He says, You don't need meaningless repetition. You don't need rote. You don't need religion. You don't need a rosary. You don't need a priest. Pray in the spirit. Martin Luther said this He said, The fewer words, the better. Amen. Pray. God, fix it. Amen. Amen. I'm human. I don't know anything. God fixed it. Okay? That's okay. Elijah prayed a simple prayer. Think about the time he called fire down from heaven. These, these 400 prophets of Baal start cutting themselves, bleeding. By the way, that's a tangent on where you think that kind of stuff comes from today. Started cutting themselves, praying, chanting, jumping up and down. And you know what Elijah said? He said, maybe your God's on the pot. Literally, read the Bible. Maybe your God's stuck in the bathroom somewhere. You should pr- chant louder. Y'all didn't know that was in the Bible? He, literally, it's in the Bible. Maybe your God's stuck on the pot somewhere. And y'all should pray louder. Chant some more. Do that. They get done. Okay, fine. You're not coming. he said, Lord, Simple. One of the shortest prayers in the Bible. Called fire down from heaven. Short, simple prayer. Made them look like a fool. Because God loves to answer His children's prayer. who's walking in obedience. Pray in the Spirit. Number three. Number three. Pray His will. Pray His will. He says, your kingdom come, your what? Your will be done. Empty prayers are full of your own wills. But we want to be empty prayers. Empty prayers are full of your desires, your wants, your dreams, your ambitions, my needs. But Christ says, seek first the kingdom. Let him handle the rest. Moses says, show me your way, O God. And God inspired, uh, God was inspiring him that the path that he should follow would be God's and not, Moses is like, I don't want to follow my direction. Show me your way. I want to be at the center of your will. And in our uh, new, uh, our connect course for our church, we have a little thing from a book that says, here's how you know if God's answering your prayers and sometimes what he says are you going to pray his will sometimes he's going to say no Sometimes there's things that he doesn't want you to do it that way He's got a better way to do it. So you might get an answer and say god Here's what i'm praying and he's like, no, that's not really my will I want you to think about this for a little bit. I want to pray through you a little more Sometimes he's saying slow down Sometimes he's saying hey, I want you to grow a little bit Sometimes he's saying yep. Just like you asked that's so and sometimes he says yep You're the answer to your prayer. Go do it Sometimes he's always answering but it may be no, it may be slow, it may be grow, it may be so, it may be go. All right? If you don't get all that, come to my connect course on Sunday mornings. All right? But that's how he answers prayer. No, slow, grow, so and go. He's always praying. Just pray his will and he will respond. But it's not always the response you may want because you might not have fully received what his will is. So I'm saying, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Number four. Pray the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. How do I know what His will is? Search the Scripture. Search the Scripture. Pray Scripture. That's a great way to do Pray the Psalms. Pray the Proverbs. Pray, pray the prayers of Jesus. Pray the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Uh, pray, the, uh, like for instance, Matthew nine thirty eight. Jesus even tells you. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Who's the Lord of the harvest? The Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He would send laborers in His vineyard, in His fields. So we are already told certain things to pray for in Scripture. And he says, uh, Lord, give us our daily bread. What's our daily bread? The Word of God. Give us this day our daily bread. We're supposed to be eating on the Word, meditating on the Word, praying the Word. So base your prayers in the Word. Reading Scripture helps you. I know how often that because you just fill your life with Scripture so much, as I begin to pray, Scripture just begins to come out. Sometimes I'm really bad about uh, chapters and verses. And, and some of you are excellent in that, and I, I, and I wish I could be like you. But I can't remember numbers for nothing. I can remember things, but I, numbers are a hard thing for me. But I just know that, I don't even know where the verse is, but it just begins to come out because you spend time in the Word, you think about it, you meditate on it, and then it just begins to come out as you pray. And the more you're in the Word, the more you pray the Word, it begins to come out. And you can guarantee God is hearing prayers that He's already saying, hey, pray this, pray that. And when you begin to pray the Word, He's sure to answer. Number five. Pray for more of his spirit. And if I could underline this one, star this one, highlight this one, write it three times over. Pray for more of his spirit. There are more verses about this, uh, I think, than any of the seven principles I'm giving you. Pray for more of his spirit. An empty self is full of the spirit. An empty self is full of the Spirit. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That means they are emptied of the world in their stomachs. They're emptied of the things of this world, and they're thirsty for something heaven only has to offer. They, they don't want the things of this world. And he says, They shall be what? Satisfied. They shall be filled. They shall be taken up in full. And so pray for more of His Spirit. As you get emptied of self, you'll get hungry to be filled by His righteousness, His goodness, His holiness, His truth. Uh, You think about Moses. He made this bold statement. He says, God, if Your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us from this place. And then what did he pray? Lord, show me Your what? Glory. Show me the manifest presence of God. Show me that Shekinah glory that has been dwelling with me and these people before God. I can't go anywhere. Without the Shekinah glory of God, I can't go anywhere without the manifest presence of God. And Moses is desiring it, and God said, Yep, I'm even going to do that. I'm going to even let you see me, even from a distance. I'm going hide, to hide you in a cliff. I'm going to be able to let you see me. Uh, and so, the whole heart, Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 12, we begin to pray and say, God, with my whole heart, I'm desiring more of you. And Jeremiah promises uh, that when we call upon the Lord and we come and we pray, He listens because when uh, he says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Lord, I'm longing for your presence. I'm longing for more of you. He says, all right, everything you've got, get emptied of self, desire for me. And the Bible uh, even would go on. We think about times with the disciples. Jesus is in the garden and this ties in with our Holy Week. Jesus is in the garden. He's praying. He's weeping. He's about to be crucified. And he tells him what? He says, I, can't you just pray with me one hour? How many Christians pray an hour a day? Think about that. Can you just pray one hour? It was, an e- he, it was assumed that they could at least pray an hour with him because Jesus prayed all kinds of hours. And he's like, can't you just pray one hour with me? Think about that. Let's put a pin in that on our prayer life, all right? Can't you just pray one hour? He says, but what? The Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. They did not understand the gravity of the moment they lived in. They didn't know by spiritual revelation that they was about to see Him be crucified. And so many times in the church, I think is the same, we could be on the precipice of revival, but not know it because we don't have spiritual revelation. We're not praying in the Spirit. We're not desiring more of the Spirit. We could be ready to have a breakthrough in our life. We could be ready to go through persecution, but we would not know it because we're not uh, desiring more of His Holy Spirit. The disciples in that moment did not have spiritual revelation or a spiritual gauge of the temperature of the day and hour which they lived. And so when we look at the, uh, the word here, He's saying, pray for more of his spirit. God, I'm praying that you would empty me of self. God, I'm praying with my whole heart that you would fill me with the satisfaction of heaven. And God, I'm praying for an awareness. I'm praying, Lord, he says, uh, pray that you might not enter into temptation. Lord, I'm praying that you would lead me not into temptation, but to lead me, uh, deliver me from evil. How do I do that? Heath cannot know any, I don't see where the devil is. I don't know what's, uh, the flesh can't notice spiritual things. And so by the Spirit, I'm saying, God, put a check in me. Should I be watching this show? Lord, should I be around these people? God, is this the, some uh, decision I need to be making in my life? Is there things I need to be backing off from in my life? Lord, is there uh, avenues you're calling me to step into that would protect me from problems? I believe the Lord would protect you in your job from different things that might happen to you, false accusations or whatever. There might be problems that you say, Wow, man, I'm so glad I made that financial decision uh, when I did because I really felt the Lord say, you know, do this or do that. Because, hey, I'm not smart enough. I don't see the big picture, the bird's eye view that God has. And so I'm praying, God, deliver me from what the snares of evil, the, the enemy is encompassed around me. But, God, I'm trusting you. I'm having a spiritual awareness. I'm praying for more of your Holy Spirit. I can only be a spirit-filled person. And I'm like in the wilderness with Moses and God, If the fire moves, I'm moving. If the cloud moves, I'm moving. I don't know what to do. I can't feed myself, clothe myself, take myself to to get any drink. I can't fight my battles for me, and I'm just looking for the presence of God. That was that pillar of a cloud and fire was the Shekinah glory of God, and all they were supposed to do was live in there in total dependence on the glory and the Spirit of God and say, all right, the cloud's moving. Let's stay under it. That's the Christian life. Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, all right? I could talk for hours on that one. Number six, pray persistently. Jesus says, hey, it's like this widow. He was telling him a parable. He says, I'm going to show you that you should pray at all times, and you ought to pray and not lose heart. There's this widow with this wicked judge, and she just would not let up her case. And finally, he gave in. Look it up in Luke 18. So he's saying, hey, whatever things you desire, whichever things you believe, I believe you receive them, you'll have them. Repeatedly, he says this. He says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find it. Knock, it will be opened to you. Jesus is talking about prayer. He says, Ask, crave it, beg for it, desire it. This is a, the things of the will of God. Seek the will of God. It must be with your whole heart. Knock, continually hold God to His word. I've told you before about the revival uh, in, uh, in Ireland. and uh, Maybe it was the Wales Revival. Anyway, I can't remember the actual country. Anyway, the revival... It was over in Europe uh, in the early 1900s, and, and there was this, this group of people who began to fast and pray for their community. Their young people had fallen away from God, and, and this young man and these two old ladies began to pray for revival, and they got the evangelist in there, and, and there, nobody really, nothing really began to happen, and they had that church service that morning, and it was moderately full, but nothing really happened, and then as soon as the church service was over, a young man came to the center aisle with the evangelist and said, God... You told us this, that you would heal our land. God, we hold you to your word, that we have prayed, we have fasted, we have sought your name. You said and you that God gave him a divine word and said he was going to bring revival. And so he just said, I'm standing on the promise of God. And then the knock came at the door. They go out the door and 600 people were waiting outside, ready to get into church at 1230 after service was over. That's because they stood on the word of God. We give up so easy and say, well, maybe... Maybe I had it wrong. He said, God, oh, you said it. And he's looking for persistency. He's looking for people to say, God, you said we'd have power. God, you said we could tread on snakes and scorpions. God, you said these signs would follow those who believe. And even if I don't see signs and wonders today, even if I don't see healings, if I don't see all these things, I'm still believing. That's the word of God. No one's going to tell me otherwise, that we can't do those things. If Peter walked on water, so can you. But we got to hold to it. We got to believe it. And if persecution comes, we know that God will give us the words to say. So holding to, praying persistently. I love in Acts four when when uh, they the people have told them the the Jewish elders and the uh, religious elite have told them, "Hey, you guys got to be quiet." and you can't preach anymore, and we're persecuting you, we're going to arrest you, and then they just say, God, you hear their threats, you see what they're doing, God, you kind of take care of that, We only you can do signs and wonders, and we're just going to do our part, God, you do your part. Man, that's the persistent faith. It says, God said go, I'm not stopping. So pray persistently. He's looking for a persistent prayer. Paul said, be devoted to prayer, watchful and thankful. James says, the effectual, powerful, perv- fervent, passionate Prayer of a righteous man accomplishes, avails much. That is a man or woman you want in your court who does not give up, doesn't relent, and just storms the gates of heaven and says, God, we are claiming your word. Somebody say amen. 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 Lastly is this, pray with forgiveness. He ends ends his passage in Matthew 6 with this great clause, this double check. Make sure you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. Because we are the most, we are there to demonstrate the love and the compassion and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We are His ambassadors. And we recognize, and I've said this multiple times at Sanctuary, I can never receive payment of forgiveness from anyone Uh, No one can ever make up any wrong they do to me. Yes, we can say I'm sorry, but that never changes that you did something against me, that you stabbed me in the back, that you talked about me and all that. What I have to do as a believer is I go to the cross of Jesus Christ and I find the payment that was paid for that person's sin. I say, God, they did me wrong, but God, your cross was enough. Your, your cross, Lord, paid the price for their sin and for my sin. I'm not the judge of them. And God, I know that they sinned against me, but God, their greater sin was against you. Lord, my greater sin was against you. And the cross is enough for them, and the cross is enough for me. And so, God, I can't ever feel... I'm just going to forgive them and receive the payment that I'm due from Jesus Christ. That's how you receive forgiveness in the Christian life. Amen? Amen. Pray with forgiveness. Look to the cross. And I close with this, and we're going to go to a time of prayer. An in intercession, John says this is the confidence we ask before him, the confidence we have before them. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. You ask anything according to his will, it's going to be done. It may not be when you see it, it might be not in your time, it might not be in your understanding, but God hears the prayers of his saints even in revelation the bible says that he's keeping those prayers in that altar that incense altar that the prayers of the saints are always before him Uh, man god loves to to hear your prayers and we can have this confidence that say god jesus even said abide in me and i in you and you can ask anything and it's going to be done and we're just in jesus in his will now we're not praying for lamborghinis and and all these things the riches of the world we're saying, God. We're praying that Jesus gets some glory. We're praying that God's kingdom would grow and be glorified. And so here's what I want us to do tonight. I'm going to ask us to just stand up in this room. And we're going to go to a time of prayer. Let's pray His will.